What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode. We are nearing the end, and today we are going over the Denver Broncos. And it all starts at the quarterback position where they drafted Justin Fields at 9. Oh, wait! Oh, wait, they didn't! Instead, they said, you know... Drew Locke seems good enough, and maybe we'll even trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Great decision. Good job, guys. Great decision, Denver. Honestly, what are you guys thinking? Come on, man. Come on. Justin Fields was the last piece you needed. Denver was ready to go, baby. Ready to go to the Super Bowl. They are not saying it would happen this year, because Fields would be a rookie, but... Their team is built to contend. They have one of the best overall rosters in the league. And all they are missing is a quarterback. They had a golden opportunity, and they blew it. And I'm sorry if you're a Broncos fan. I'm sorry. I know you're probably in agreement with me. I know one of you isn't. I know one of you who is in my DMs quite a bit hates Justin Fields. But look, Justin Fields is going to be a stud. He really is. And he's a huge upgrade over Bridgewater and Locke. He would have been great here. But anyways, let's get to the legit personnel changes and not what they should have changed. And that is trading for Teddy Bridgewater, drafting my dude running back Javonta Williams, who reminds me of my guy Doug Martin when he was in his prime, the rookie Doug Martin who went for 1,250 yards and like 12 touchdowns, had a 250-yard game and four touchdowns versus I think it was the Raiders in his rookie season. It was either the Raiders or the Cowboys. I think it was the Raiders. That's what Javonta Williams reminds me of. They grabbed him in the second round, so that's awesome. Wide receiver Cortland Sutton is back from injury. They lost cornerback A.J. Boye. They signed cornerback Ronald Darby, signed cornerback Kyle Fuller, and drafted cornerback Patrick Sertan. And I can tell you this. I am Sertan. He will be good. But um, They also lost defensive tackle Jarrell Casey. Bradley Chubb back from injury on the edge, as well as Von Miller back from injury on the edge. So if you just take the sum of that little defensive personnel change that I just gave you, they lost one corner, added three. All three of them are good. They lost one D-line player, and they're getting two amazing ones back from injury. This defense will be much better than last year, one of the best defenses in the NFL. And if you don't believe me, I've got the PFF rankings to prove it. It's actually insane. First overall ranked secondary in the NFL by PFF. Fourth ranked linebacking core in the NFL by PFF. And 10th ranked defensive line. And if Bradley Chubb and Von Miller goes back into his more youthful years, they could be much better than 10th. So all three levels of your defense are top 10. Two of them are top five. They also have the seventh Best receiving core ranked by PFF. Like I said, this team was just a quarterback away. Now their offensive line isn't the best. 21st in the league. 
but it's still pretty good. It's good enough when you've got all of these other pieces around. So really disappointed in the decision to not take fields, but I'm happy for Chicago. I'm happy for all my Chicago Bears fans and friends that I know. So, you know, there's some silver lining there. With that said, let's look at the trends, the history, right? Last year with Vic Fangio, they passed the ball 56% of the time. And I almost forgot about that game versus New Orleans. I almost forgot. And I was going to project like a 53% pass ratio, and I caught myself. Because if you remove the Saints game, where they had no quarterbacks, right, then on the season, the pass ratio for the Broncos was super different. Not 56%, but 60%. That 4% jump is very key. And I'm glad I didn't <laughs> I didn't make the mistake of forgetting to pull that game out. They have a better defense now. They've got a better running back room now. And they still have a questionable quarterback situation. All of these things make me think they're going to run the ball whenever they can. And they're going to have a you know, a multitude of opportunities to do so with this defense now. They really are. So if they were at 60% pass last year, they're going to get more run heavy. I think 56% seems appropriate projecting for this year. So I have them passing 56% of the time. Now I'm not really sure which quarterback plays, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. And even when we find out who the starter is, I'm not sure how long they're going to start. So I'm probably not touching this quarterback room, even in Superflex. Obviously, in non-Superflex, you're not touching the quarterback room. In deep leagues that are Superflex, you might have to. I'm personally just trying to stay away from it completely. And that's not the only room I'm staying away from. I'm also staying away from the wide receiver room. Now, we're going to go through them. We're going to project them. We're going to talk about them. But me, personally, not too interested for redraft purposes in grabbing either of the wide receivers in this offense. Now, overall, the offense should improve, and the defense is also better, so they're going to get off the field quicker, so with a defense that gets off the field quicker and an offense that's better, they should be able to stay on the field longer, have more sustained drives, and that would result in an increase in play rate or total plays in a game for this offense. So they were at 62 plays per game last year. I'm projecting them to be 64 plays per game. That's 1,079 plays this season for 604 passes and 475 runs. Let's talk about Drew Locke. I am currently projecting him as the starter. I think he's better for Cortland Sutton than Teddy Bridgewater is, but Teddy Bridgewater is probably better for Jerry Judy than Drew Locke is. Now, I'm not saying either one of those quarterbacks is better than the other or either one of those receivers just, you know, has better chemistry with the other quarterback. What I'm saying is that Teddy Bridgewater keeps it close to the vest. And you know who's close to the vest? at least more so than Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. And Locke doesn't mind letting it fly and giving some 50-50 balls. Well, that's what Sutton really is just tremendous at. So that's why I, I think that you know Sutton is going to be better off with Locke and Teddy is better for Judy. So let's talk about Drew Locke, though. That's who I'm projecting as the starter for the whole season. He's a, still a young guy. I can't imagine that they would pass on a a young guy like Justin Fields or even Mac Jones in the draft if it was for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, if that's who they thought would be their starter. And I know it's an open camp and, and all that stuff. Maybe it's not by the time this comes out, but I think Drew Locke is going to be the dude. They're going to give him a shot. He's only got 18 games under his belt, right? So 
Let's talk about him. 58 runs for 232 yards and two touchdowns. That's what I'm projecting on the ground, pretty much, you know, just the average that he's been giving us. Off those 604 passes, we saw no improvement in year two from year one, right? So when we're looking at those passes that he's going to have, he's probably not going to be very efficient. Actually, in year two last year, he had a worse touchdown rate and a higher interception rate than he did in his rookie season, and he had almost the exact same yards per attempt. I do think he improves because if he doesn't, he's going to get benched, right? I do think he improves. He's got better overall weapons. Now he's got 18 games of experience under his belt. Hopefully he's a little bit better. It's basically like he just finished his rookie year because, I mean, 18 games is only two more than what the season used to be. And he's also going into year two with a new regime and a new coaching staff. So that might help things along a little bit as well. I'm projecting a 64% completion rate for Drew Locke. 10.8 yards per completion and a 4.8 touchdown ratio. Basically, the same as his rookie year, just a tiny bit higher in touchdown rate and yards per completion, but pretty similar overall. Now let's talk about Javante Williams, and this is somebody that I will be drafting from this offense, possibly the only person I would be drafting from this offense in terms of redraft. I look at Javante, like I said, like prime Doug Martin. Running backs last year in the receiving game, we'll talk about that first. Running backs got 13% of the targets last year. That's probably going to stay about the same because you have Cortland Sutton coming back. So it's not going to grow even though the running back receiving room has improved. I don't see Javonta Williams out-targeting Melvin Gordon. I think it's going to be more 50-50. But I do expect Javonta Williams to get more carries because he's better. I see Javonta Williams getting 58% of the carries to the running back position and his red zone usage is the most important and it's not really something I can project confidently if he is the guy in the red zone Javonta Williams is going to be a beast as the season goes on and he takes more and more volume if he does not and they just use Melvin the experienced dude in the red zone and that's who they used in the red zone when they had him and Philip Lindsay then Javonta Williams is not going to be nearly as good as a lot of us hope but either way I do think he's going to lead the running back room in carries I think it's going to be close in targets, but Melvin will probably edge him out there. It's really going to come down to the red zone usage, but they are raving about the guy. I think the guy is much better, like I said, than Melvin Gordon. And why why do I think that? Because Melvin Gordon, let's talk about him, his yards per completion over his entire career, or yards per carry, sorry, over his entire career is 4.1. Think about the offense that he was in. He was in an offense with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry for a long time. People that can help open things up. And Melvin Gordon averaged 4.1 yards per carry over the course of his career. Now, last year he was better, about 4.5. Once again, had some nice weapons, some explosive weapons on the outside to ease things up. But he has not been a a great running back. He he hasn't. He's been good in touchdowns, and I think that's going to change this year, and that's pretty much the reason I'm saying no thank you to Melvin Gordon because I do think Javonta is going to be that dude in the red zone or at least a lot more than Philip Lindsay was last year so it's going to really hurt Melvin his career catch rate is 75 percent that's not super great for a running back that's probably like the exact average number for a running back maybe a little bit worse than average and his last season over 1,000 rushing yards was 2017 he's losing carries he's losing touchdowns I have no interest in Melvin Gordon now let's talk about the wide receivers. Jerry Judy. He is my number one wide receiver here 
either way, but he's better for PPR. And especially if Teddy Bridgewater ended up taking over, then he's even better for PPR. But Jerry Judy is my number one, hands down, in this wide receiver room. He was the clear target last year. But Corlin Sutton's back. Well, Corlin Sutton doesn't really profile to me, and I'm sure you agree with this, as a high-volume, high-target type of wide receiver. Now, could he be? Yes, but Jerry Judy, being in the same room, much more likely Jerry Judy is that guy with his tar- uh, with his route running, right? So let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. Jerry Judy, last year, huge drop problem, huge drop problem. Well, I think that that's going to be fixed. I really do. And if you want the reasoning, I'll give you like a couple bullet points, but if you want the real reasoning, there's a podcast up from the beginning of the offseason that I put, and it's about Jerry Judy and DJ Chark. That is it. The podcast is on both of those guys. I was trying to break them down, figure out what happened, what went wrong in their seasons because Jerry Judy still had a good, you know, like he still had a good rookie season, but compared to a lot of the other rookie wide receivers, it's kind of been lost, you know. A lot of people just totally forgot about Jerry Judy's season. It wasn't bad, and if Justin Jefferson didn't go crazy and Claypool didn't have his big flashes, then people wouldn't and CeeDee Lamb didn't look like a monster and T Higgins didn't do great then nobody would have a problem with Jerry Judy's rookie season but because he's comparatively being put next to these other guys it's it's rough for him so I broke it down right so go check out that podcast if you want but basically he's gonna fix his drop problem because last year he was anticipating hits way too much that got better along the way and Think about who he was catching balls from in college to Otago Vailoa, not somebody with a super huge arm. Well, Drew Locke does throw the ball pretty hard, pretty fast. That doesn't mean he's a great quarterback, but he does he does have a nice little rocket. And, um, you know, Tua, Tua doesn't. Now, I think Tua's actually going to be really good. You guys know this if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, and I believe Tua's a very good passer and, and will show that this year with his weapons. But just in terms of arm strength, it's it's a different ball game, you know. And Tua was also left-handed. Who knows if that, or is left-handed? So who knows if that plays a factor in catching footballs for Jerry Judy? So he's getting used to all this, you know, new stuff in the NFL. All those things will help him get better. I don't think he's going to have a drop problem this year. Last year he had a twenty percent target share. I see him having about the same with Sutton back. I'm actually going to give him a little bit more just because he's the best wide receiver. He is the most talent. He's going to be open the most on this offense, and they're going to want to get him involved. They took him really high in the first round, so I'm projecting 21% this year. Now, it could be lower depending on how much they involve K.J. Hamler and Tim Patrick, but for me, it's just hard for me to see Jerry Judy getting lower than like a 19-18% target share in this offense. He's going to be their guy for a long time in the future, and he's actually a decent buy low in Dynasty right now. He's a wide receiver three flex for me this year in redraft. He's probably not going to be used downfield nearly as much. So while his catch rate is definitely going to go up, not only because he's going to fix the drop problem, as I predict, but he's also going to be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. He's not going to be as deep. So because, you know, now KJ Hamler can fill that role. Tim Patrick can fill that role. Sutton can be on the outside and Judy can be pushed into the slot. So, you know, we'll see how it all works out. But overall better catch rate, less yards per reception, going to be a wide receiver three flex, going to have maybe a thousand yard season. It's close. We'll see what I'm predicting. Let's talk about Corbin Sutton real quick though. Broncos wide receiver two last year had 15% of the targets. Now Cortland Sutton is definitely 
uh, at least a bit better than Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick did have a really good season last year, but he's definitely better than that. The problem is if we give that 15% target share to Cortland Sutton and then want to improve it because he's better, that means that we're taking away from guys who were good last year, like Tim Patrick, like KJ Hamler. So that's the tricky thing. And that's why I think Cortland Sutton's actually somebody that is probably being overdrafted right now, even though his ADP is pretty low, because I'm going to project 16% target share. That's only going to lead to 97 targets, and it's from a quarterback that's not very efficient. Think about the Broncos' offense. They spread the ball around, and they've got so many weapons to do so. We haven't even talked about Noah Fant yet, but he's there in the room. They've got Albert Albert Ogwebunam in the room at tight end. He catches some red zone targets. They've got KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javonta Williams, and Melvin Gordon all involved in the receiving game along with Noah Fant. That is just too much for really anybody to, to just dominate, and that's why... Jerry Judy, despite how much I like him, is only a wide receiver three or flex play for me. But Cortland Sutton is going to be somebody I don't think you're ever going to feel confident putting in your lineup. It's going to be touchdown or bust, in my opinion, because it's not a very pass-heavy team. They spread the ball around, and Cortland Sutton also is coming off injury. Who knows how good he is? And, you know, if he's 100%, if it limits him at all, if he loses confidence in his route running or going up and being aggressive, who knows? Who knows? And even if all that stuff goes right, still not enough volume. So not very interested in Cortland Sutton. Noah Fant is the last guy we're going to talk about in this offense. He had an 18% target share last year. There's no reason for that to diminish, in my opinion. He's not been efficient in the red zone, which is the thing that's been holding him back. And if we look at that and consider that, you have to make a decision. Is he going to continue to, to struggle in the red zone? If so, you're not drafting him. If you think he's going to become much better in the red zone, then maybe you should take a shot at Noah Fant because an 18% target share is not shabby at all. That's pretty good for a tight end. Now, it kind of balances out because the Broncos won't pass as much as other offenses, but he is a a guy who always has the ability to break one for, for long. That's pretty much where his touchdowns have come from because he's only got six career touchdowns off 159 targets. That's 3.7% of his targets become a touchdown. That is really bad, especially for a tight end. And the coaching staff this year is probably going to be more likely to run in the red zone than they were last year. So it's very tough for me to see Noah Fant all of a sudden having this huge revelation in the red zone and getting a whole bunch of touchdowns. So I'm still going to project him to be somebody who's not too great in the touchdown category. Now, I do give him his career high on a season, but that's not really saying much. I think he's going to have five touchdowns this year. His efficiency should improve because he's going to have, you know, more well-developed weapons around him. He should have more space because of it to break off some yard-after-catch runs. He's got a great schedule. So he is going to be a tight end one, but I think he's going to be kind of sporadic because, once again, there's so many weapons. I think the only person who's going to get consistent targets in this offense is Jerry Judy. And the running back position as a whole, but I think it'll even be hard week to week to, to trust whether it's Melvin Gordon or Javonta Williams getting the targets. So really... The consistent play in this offense is Judy, but I don't think he has like a huge ceiling because of the lack of volume and all these weapons. But Fant, because he's a tight end, the tight end position is low. If you think he can fix the touchdown problem, he's going to be somebody you're drafting for sure. So let's talk about the actual projections. Drew Lockoff, 604 passes. I have him for 387 completions, 4,175 yards, 29 touchdowns. Remember, 200 
and 32 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. That puts him at quarter. That puts him at my quarterback 28. So I'm not, like I said, not drafting Drew Locke because he also has a lot of risk that he gets benched and he doesn't even have a lot of upside because he's not that talented and he doesn't run the ball much. So no thank you on Drew Locke. Javonta Williams, he's my running back 24 at 12.2 points per game. He's right between Darrell Henderson and Kareem Hunt for me. I'm definitely interested in Javonta Williams. It's better to get him now because the closer and closer you wait before the season starts and the more touches he gets in the preseason, we already see it with Najee Harris getting like eight or nine touches in the Hall of Fame game. The more touches he gets in the preseason, the more exposure he gets, the higher his ADP will go. So if you can get your draft started and you want a Javonta Williams, start it earlier because his ADP is going to rise and it will get to the point where I'm probably not even drafting him. But right now I think he's a fringe RB2, at least a flex play at RB24. I have him for 36 targets, 27 receptions, 166 receiving yards and a touchdown, 222 carries, 1,043 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. So that's about, let's see, 1,200 total yards for Javonta Williams in his rookie year with 10 touchdowns. Melvin Gordon, I have at RB35 between Kenneth Gainwell and Naheem Hines. Not interested at all in Melvin Gordon. He's got 39 targets for me, 29 receptions, 171 receiving yards and a touchdown, along with 161 carries, 725 rushing yards and six touchdowns. So for Melvin Gordon, that's a total of 900 yards and seven touchdowns. Then we've got, let's see, um, Noah Fant. We've got at tight end nine. I have him right between Adam Troutman and Robert Tunyon. I have him at 109 targets, 71 receptions, 883 yards, and five touchdowns. And the receivers, Jerry Judy at wide receiver, 29. Cortland Sutton at wide receiver, 48. Judy's at 13 points per game between Brandon Cooks and Gabriel Davis. Sutton is at 10.5 points per game between... Oh, I just messed that up. Sorry. Judy is between Brandon Cooks and... Corey Davis, not Gabriel Davis. Cortland Sutton is between Gabriel Davis and Michael Hardman. I knew I said something wrong. That's what it was. So huge gap between Judy and Sutton for me. I think it'll be pretty clear this season that he is the number one for them, talking about Judy. And I have him at 127 targets compared to Cortland Sutton's 97. Judy at 77 receptions compared to Sutton's 50. Judy at 1,014 yards compared to Sutton's 804, and Judy at seven touchdowns with Sutton pulling in eight to lead the team. That's what I've got for the Denver Broncos, and guys for tuning in. We are almost done. I just got one more podcast coming out on projections. It's going to wrap up the confusing teams, the Saints, the 49ers, and the Texans. Those are the three teams that are going to be on the last podcast. I'm super excited to, uh, to get through it, and from then on, from then on, we're going to have dynasty rankings. It's going to be a quick one. I'm going to put all the positions in the same one. I'm going to hit on key points for you guys. And then I'm going to move on to redraft stuff. So if you have legit dynasty questions after the dynasty podcast, then message me. I got you. And I'll probably have dynasty rankings up on the website. But if not, like I said, message me and I got you. Then we'll get into the redraft stuff. We'll talk about who the most consistent people have been. Focus on, you know, all the consistency. We'll talk about maybe uh, who's got the best schedules. We'll talk about sleepers, busts. I'll do some mock drafts. We'll have a lot of fun right before the season gets started. Thank you guys for tuning in. Drop a rating, drop a review, please. It helps me immensely. I've had actually quite a few reviews coming in lately. I really appreciate that. Keep them rolling. Keep them rolling. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.